Well, hello, everybody. This is Marguerite Crispillo, and thank you so much for joining us today. I have an extremely special guest that uh, I'm really excited to have on today. I'd like to introduce you to Miss Carrie Beth. She is with For One Another Foundation, which I was exposed to, I guess, about a year or so ago. I got uh, randomly invited to an event, and I kind of thought it was a dinner, and we were going to hear about some stuff. But it was an amazing event. We, I was so inspired by her story and what this young woman has done that I have made every effort to help out and participate whenever I can. And so I really wanted to have her on today so she can tell us her story and tell us about her mission and what she's doing and accomplishing in the world. So please help me welcome Miss Carrie Beth. Hello. Thanks for having me, Marguerite. You're getting me all teary-eyed already. (laughs) (laughs) Well, trust me, every time I've been to your event, I've cried my eyes out, so I'm sure uh, we'll get a few tears going today. But uh, So tell me a little bit about you, Carrie, and where you started and and how you ended up on this wild ride. Right. Life does um, throw some changes at us sometimes. But I grew up in the Roseville, you know, I was born in Roseville. I grew up in the area of Loomis, Penryn, and... Um, kind of something that, and I got into real estate when I was really young, so I was 17 when I first started getting into real estate. And I was in real estate for seven years, and then I had a life-transforming um, moment in my life. So in, do you want me to tell, in 2007, I was diagnosed with a disease called endometriosis. And so I went to have surgery done in Oregon with a specialist for this disease. And I just thought it was going to be a regular surgery. They're going to be in and out. And it ended up being that I had the worst case in world's recorded history at age 24. Yeah. <laughs> so it was um, pretty extreme. And the first surgery ended up being really complicated. And so there were a lot of life-saving um, procedures that happened after that. And I had a total of seven surgeries to save my life. And so it really um, changed my outlook on a lot of things at that time. And so in going through that, I mean, obviously life-changing to say the least, but I imagine it must have been really overwhelming because you were really young, right, 24 years old? Yeah, I was young. I was at the peak of my career, um, 2007, even though the market was about to take a crash. Um, I was, you know, doing super well. And so I just thought I was going to be gone a few days. And instead, I was gone a few months. And, you know, all my business was just, you know, how, how you know, in real estate, you have to keep up on everything. And so it was, um, it was kind of like starting from scratch and having your world just kind of shut down around you. Yeah, I think that that's probably most people's um, worst fear, you know, is right. what happens <laughs> yeah. if, I, if I'm not able to work. I mean, that's something that we're we're working on in our training is helping people with that. But um, I don't think that anybody can prepare or plan themselves for something like that happening. Yeah, so what it's happened hard when you started to, to kind yeah. of come out of it? So when I came out of it, um, I... I kind of realized just how short life is. And I remember being in the hospital and thinking, you know, there's more that I want to do in this world. There's more that I want to do. And I went through kind of another personal crisis with um, my husband leaving me right around the same time. So it was just like, 
oh, I was in a dark place, you know, and I think we can all relate to being in a dark place at one point in our, or, or another in our lives. And yeah. I was, I was just kind of in a dark spot, but one of the things that just came to me, and I can't really tell you exactly how it came to me, but I thought I'd go travel around the world, and you can call it midlife crisis, but um, <laughs> care 24. for the orphan children, <laughs> care for the orphan kids, and love on them, see what I could do to help their situations, and in turn, I was hoping that would heal and help me at the same time. So that's kind of where I started the journey, is I just did a bunch of, I did a six-month orphanage mission um, Honduras and Ecuador, and I was gone for six months, and I was just serving at orphanages. Wow. And how, did you go by yourself? I did. I went by myself, and so it was a little bit uh, crazy probably, but, you know, Your I was just at that point where, out. <laughs> yeah, the parents are a little nervous, definitely. Um, now they're quite used to my travels, but it's taken them a lot of of time to get used to it, and I'm still sure my mom prays a lot at night, and, you know, they get nervous. But, yeah, they've been super supportive, my family, and you, all the people in my life have just been amazing, amazing support. So how did you, how did you discover, so now tell me a little bit about where that's gone and, and the organization you've created. So the organization was created in 2009. I had gotten a two-year missionary visa over to Ecuador, so I was just working there, and I had, um, was kind of using my own finances to finance some of the projects that we were doing in Ecuador at the time. And a lot of people wanted to get involved or they heard about what I was doing. And so they're like, we're going to start this organization. So they started the organization in 2009. And we started doing projects in Ecuador. And then we went over after the Haiti earthquake relief efforts. We were over there working with some of our friends from Puerto Rico. And that's when we saw just a huge, huge need for water. And people were coming into our clinics literally dying from dehydration and parasites, something that I knew was so simple to solve. But, and I just felt like it was very sad that people were losing their lives because of something so simple. Yeah, it's amazing to me that, I mean, we're so incredibly blessed in this country, you know. Right. I, mean, I think even even the worst situations in this country are are, are grand compared to what happens in some other places. And so tell me about, like, the discovery of the whole, because it's water purifiers that you've, you've worked to develop, right? Or explain that to me a little yes. bit. Yes. Well, we started researching water, you know, filters and different ways of helping people out with water. And the one um, that we use is called Sawyer Point One Water Filter. It's manufactured in Florida. And this filter is so amazing. It's so life-changing, and we use it in a lot of our re relief efforts, like in Uganda and Haiti, where people are literally going to die if they don't get the clean water. So it's such a simple device, very cost-effective, and it can last for up to 10 years plus. So we feel like it's a great tool to use. We're also doing other projects such as wells, sand dams, and water sources. But this filter we're absolutely obsessed with because we use it on our trips. Our team members don't get sick, and we figure we can put that in orphanages and schools. If it works for us, it will work for these kids as well. You know, one of the powerful things that I saw you do at the, the last uh, event you had was you guys took this big gallon jar of this, like, nasty, muddy, like, pond water 
<laughs> right. <laughs> so like, like you go to like a yucky pond and you just fill it up, and then you guys run it through this filter, and people there drink it. Now I didn't drink it the last time, but my my husband did. And he's like, it tastes like regular water. And I think that right? demonstration <laughs> awesome. is crazy and so powerful and so simple. It's so great. It's so neat. I love to do those presentations at our um, events because people just can't believe it. You know, I've had it done where we've done it with polywogs in it that we've gotten from the creek, like 100 polywogs just swimming in there, and people are like, ew, gross. But you taste the water. It doesn't taste any different. And if you could imagine your only water source in Uganda being a water mud hole that you're sharing with your cattle, and then you take this filter and you filter the water clean, they think it's a miracle, and they, they say it tastes so sweet when they drink it. It's like candy to them because it's so pure and fresh. So it's it's just absolutely mind-blowing for, for those that we're helping. And so what does one of these filters cost? It costs around $60 for the filter. And then we buy the bucket in country. So whatever country we're working in, we always try to get, you know, a decent deal on the buckets. And it normally costs around $5 for a bucket. So $60 lasts 10 years and saves mm-hmm. Totally. Isn't that awesome? That is incredible. So where have, how many places have you installed these filters so far? We're working right now in uh, Uganda, Kenya, El Salvador, Haiti, and Ecuador. And we're expanding this October to India. Um, so those are the countries that we're currently working in. And so tell me a little bit about what happens when you go to these, like, can you give me a a typical day or week in your life of taking these there and what that experience is like? Right. Um, Well, I would say Uganda is probably an interesting one because it's our most extreme trip. And some people have asked, why do you come all the way out here? This is crazy. It takes us about two days just to get to the place that we're going to help the people. And then from there, it's about two hours out driving just to get to the villages. They're so far out in the middle of nowhere. And so many people have asked, well, why do you come out here? Why do you come out here? And it's just, I say, until you get to the village, you'll know why I come out here. And you're giving these people hope, like, hey, we care. You're not alone. We see your suffering. And, you know, we just want to do our part to to help. And... It means such a great deal to them. And so the trip, like, basically you get in the airport, you get probably an hour to your hotel, stay the night, get up, you have about a six, seven-hour drive to Gulu, which is another city. You stay the night there, and the next drive is about six hours, all dirt roads, and it's about a pothole every one to two seconds. So it is quite comical. If you think you're going to take a nap on that trip, you better just forget it because it's not happening. (laughs) And so when you get there, like, what is that experience like? I mean, it's unreal. It's it's beautiful. The area we go to is, you know, when I first imagined Africa, I just thought it'd be dry and all these animals and the dirt. And it was beautiful. Like, the country itself is absolutely gorgeous. but in the, we kind of go in the wet season, and so it's raining. But in the dry season, that's when they're suffering the greatest because they don't have enough water for their crops. 
and then the kids are getting just like one meal every other day. So we're trying to bring sources there. Um, but the roads, yeah, it's dirt roads, but then like lush. Um, and the people, uh, they're very welcoming and very protective of us because they know we're there to help. And it's really an under, it's the kind of the African tribal people that we're working with in Uganda. So it's a very uh, kind of unreal experience. And do you take like a guide who speaks the language or how does that work? In Uganda, we're partnering with map.org and they've been around since 1960. They do absolutely amazing work. And we partner with them and so they do, they have guides that go with us that speak the languages. There's 120 different languages in Uganda, and so yeah, we definitely need that help. Um, so yeah, we have our interpreters that go with us, and then several people on MAPS team that go and are kind of, um, you know, helping us assist us with the projects. So what would you, if you could pick one moment from working with all these people around the world, is there one particular one that stands out, or a particular person? Um, that's so hard because I think all the places that I've been to and especially the kids, you know, the kids just tug at your heartstrings. Um, but there was this one moment in Kenya where we were doing a presentation in front of about 40 women. And these are women that are very, very stricken with poverty but they go out and they help their communities. They're there for their families and their churches, and they're just, they're like little Mother Teresa's. They're so amazing. And so I remember doing this presentation in front of them in uh, Kenya. This was in 2012. And I went down, everything they were clapping, they would start clapping and rejoicing and singing. And I went down to do the presentation. And the water, before I even brought it back up to drink it, because they saw how clean it was, they got on their feet. They started dancing around the whole room. They grabbed me and the other people we were working with, and they just danced around the whole room because they were so excited about this clean water that we had brought with us for them. And that, like, just tears me up that moment because it kind of when I realized, wow, this is your purpose. This is what you were brought here for. This is so much bigger than, you know, just other things, I guess. So it was yeah. just a moment for me to realize, oh, my goodness, you're bringing hope to these women that are also going to be bringing hope to people in their own communities. It doesn't really get much better than that for me. The ripple effect of it, you know. It, it, totally, yeah. You know, it feels like you're just touching a couple, but, I mean, you're not only touching a couple, you're uh, touching, you know, entire generations and future generations. You never know what bringing hope to someone can do, you know. It could be something that you'll never, ever see. But it's just that that's why I always believe in giving hope to people. It's the small little things that make a whole world of difference. So tell me how you pay for all this. How do, how do you do that? <laughs> we work really hard. We've got a great team of volunteers. We call them the FOA volunteers, and they're absolutely amazing. We started this little group of volunteers back in 2011, and it keeps growing, and we got get more interest. And we do fundraisers. So we do the dinners like you and your husband came to and supported and sponsored. Um, we do dinners. We have a Taste of Loomis event coming up 
That's one of our biggest events that we put on um, yearly, and that's on June 20th. And it's a really fun event. It's basically tastings of food from restaurants, wineries, and breweries. And so it's a really fun, I've got a live band there, silent auction. That's a really great way for us to get donations. We also have people that donate monthly, and that really helps us with the cause. Yeah, we went to the event last year, the Taste of um, Loomis event. It was pretty hot that day, I will say. (laughs) (laughs) It was was such a fun event. You know, you guys have restaurants, some of the best restaurants around, you know, come out and participate. So if you have a restaurant or a winery, I'm sure they would love, love, love your participation. That Um, would be great. How how can someone get involved? How do they find you? Um, they can get involved by going on our website, www.foreoneanother.org. And all of it, we have actually a whole Taste of Loomis page on there. So there's different ways the vendors can get involved or the volunteers if you want to volunteer for the event. And we're also looking for gifts from individuals or um, businesses that want to donate maybe a gift of $50 or more to our silent auction. And then we advertise for them that evening at our silent auction. Wonderful. So if you're not in the area, you can definitely go to foroneanother.org and we'll for sure be posting um, the access information on our website when we do this. So you'll be able to go there and click on the link and connect with them. So tell me what are some of the upcoming trips you have? What's next for you and for one another, Carrie? Um, We have a trip in Uganda and Kenya planned for July 25th to August 15th. We're heading um, to the same area in Uganda, helping with one to two water sources there and also the Sawyer Point One water filters. It's looking like we're going to be doing around 200 filters this year in Kenya. So I'll be flying over to Kenya to start that project, and we're also hiring a, a gal that's going to be helping us over in Kenya this year. So we are super excited. We have a lot planned. Um, and then, of course, India in mid-October, Haiti in November for Thanksgiving, and then we'll be looking to do um, go back to Ecuador at the first of the year. So how many people go on these trips? You know, it really averages. I um, am not doing a group trip this year to Uganda just because of, of the need to do a lot of management stuff over there this year, but normally we take about four to five people on the trip to volunteer. I know that uh, our good friend Megan went last time, Megan Wood, and yeah, it certainly, I think, has changed her life pretty dramatically. <laughs> I know she came back very impacted um, by her experience. We loved having her at that last event that you guys sponsored because she was just able to tell her story and tell her view, and it was so awesome being able to travel with a friend that I've known for so long who's been so supportive. And my little sister, Nicole, went as well. And it was just, it was an awesome trip. And they were able to kind of see what we do firsthand. So do you have a number of water filters that you guys have installed so far? Do you guys keep track of that? Um, We do. I don't have a number right offhand for you, but it's probably close to 1,500, I would say, so far. Oh, my God. I mean, we're rocking and rolling. It's craziness. (laughs) I know. That is so Very exciting. exciting. So, you know, I'm so honored to know you, Carrie. I think you're definitely an inspiration uh, to many. I know a lot of people talk about doing something 
um, but you've actually gotten out there and done it. And for someone your age, that's uh, pretty powerful and definitely inspiring. So, oh my God, don't make me cry. Thank you. <laughs> I, know. I know. We talked about that before the call. I'm like, there's always a moment when we cry about something. Um, whenever I get involved in these events, and I just, I really want to thank you. And so, if any You're of our so giving, are out and I there want to get involved more with one another for one another.org, please go to their website, contribute, help. I know that every little penny counts. Like, she was saying a simple water filter costs 60 bucks. So um, I don't know about you, but that's a, a, a dinner out, an evening out, and to give that up. I know that uh, a funny story, we live out in the country and we have a well, and um, every once in a while our well goes out <laughs> and we don't have water. And what's funny is it always seems like the end of the world. Like you're never thirsty right. until you can't get to water, right? And right. I remember that the last time it happened shortly after we went to your event and I was like, it's really hard for me to whine about not having water for a couple hours <laughs> when I think about what other people experience in the world. But I, I just laughed to myself because I was like, you don't even really think about water. We take it for just take it for granted. We do. Until there's a moment when you so don't have true. access to it. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's so true. Uh, well, we're going to wrap up, Carrie. Uh, again, thank you for taking the time today, and I hope that everyone will take a couple minutes and go check out your website and, and contribute and help however they can. I know we're excited to uh, be helping out again with your Taste of Loomis event coming up. So if anyone can help, we'd love to have you. And thank you, thank you, Carrie, for all that you do and all that you do to give back. I'm, I'm proud to be your friend. You're awesome. Thank you, Marguerite. I appreciate it. We are so appreciative of all your support. Absolutely. All right, everybody, thank you for listening, and have a fantastic day.